0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us Mike and my go to Frankly, I find the idea of a podcast that thinks offensive. It's Mike and my go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me, as always, is a man who carries a big stick and is the meanest motherfucker in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> Mike D'Ariccio. How are you doing today, Mike?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It is the eve of uh, you're coming out here to Missoula.
1: Yes, yes. In a scant 12 hours, I'll be on a plane uh, traveling 2,000 miles to watch a bunch of bad horror movies. <laughs> can't wait and also buy vinegar syndrome blu-rays apparently yep i could have gone to connecticut which is literally right here but nope <laughs> i'm to go to montana to their pop-up uh, at the camp Horror film festival
0: yeah yeah vinegar syndrome is gonna be hanging out uh friday and saturday at the camp Horror film festival here in missoula uh which we've been talking about on the podcast uh, for the last couple of weeks of course charlie mccorn uh, was a guest in the podcast recently and yeah that's gonna be happening this week here in town uh, i think uh, the day that this podcast comes out will be the first day of the Camp Horror Film Festival. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't gotten your tickets for uh, the various movies and stuff that you want to see, uh, you should do that because it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, me and Mike will probably be there.
1: Yeah, yeah. If anybody says hi to us, that'd be crazy. Imagine? That'd be nuts.
0: <laughs> if if it turned out, like, a significant chunk of the audience was, like, Mike and Mike heads. Like Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely exactly that's what i'm saying
0: <laughs> yes absolutely so yeah if, if you are listening come out to the camp horror film festival say hi to me and mike uh you'll see us there there'll also be like big advertisements for our podcast there theoretically so uh yeah should be a good time
1: we're, we're moving on up
0: exactly but uh yeah so that's happening this week mike d's gonna be out here in missoula and uh i think last week we were like well should we even like record an episode today and uh because you're gonna be out here we can even do it in person but timing didn't quite work out that way. Uh, so it was like, well, we should we should record an episode anyway. Yeah, we both <laughs> been watching a you bunch of stuff. Out. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're doing some uh, random discussions, just some stuff we've uh, been catching up with uh, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, Mike D has been watching a lot of the same stuff he watched uh, a couple months ago.
1: <laughs> Look, you know, you don't have to say it that way. However, that's exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> Entirely accurate. So uh, yes. we're gonna we're gonna get into what that is in just a minute. First. Got to tell you that all the theme songs that uh, you're going to hear this episode of were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Mac V, whose art you can find at Fearless Guard on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to someone we do in the show, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. And now, let's get into some discussions. Watch this. These are my discussion just when i thought i said all i could say my, my buddy and i talk about movies we see these are my discussion there is so much to see you and me so we're gonna talk about movies for our discussions all right, it's time for some discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. And Mike D., since you talked about these movies recently, let's just get these out of the way first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what uh, have you been watching this week?
1: I watched this past weekend all six of the Mission Impossible movies.
0: Yes. Now, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, and by long-time I mean maybe like two months-ish or so, <laughs> uh, you may yeah. recall that uh, Mike D. in a discussion segment uh, talked about watching... Mission Impossible is four, five, and six. This time you watched all six. Correct.
1: Yes. And I don't remember exactly why. Uh, somebody was talking about in the Discord that I'm always hanging out in uh, where we watch movies all the time. Somebody's like, what's the next like franchise we're going to watch? Uh, you know, we f- we did the all, all the Fast and the Furious movies over quarantine. You know, sure. we did, uh, you know, we do this every now and then. And somebody mentioned Mission Impossible and I was like, all right, I'm in say less. Uh, so like, I got them all. Um, and I don't really know why this past Saturday. It was just like one o'clock. We were hanging out and it just quietly turns out one, two and four uh, are all on Netflix right now uh, for the rest of August. So I went on Netflix and just quietly started like started streaming on Discord. Didn't say yeah. anything. Uh, we just watched Mission Impossible. And then I was like, oh no, what happened? And I started Mission Impossible 2. Um <laughs> So basically, I hijacked the Discord like I always do, and sure. yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, we watched one, two, and three on Saturday, four, five, six on Sunday, uh, and it was a fun time. And and the thing that I really want to talk about this one this time around is I forgot how good Mission Impossible One is. It's oh, been yeah. a long time since I have rewatched that one. Yeah, I think I think especially in like the the stunt shadow of like four, five, and six, like the insanity of the heights, like literally uh, they go to in those movies. Uh, I feel, feel like one, two, and three, uh, kind of get forgotten about or whatever, but yes, the mission impossible one, like that's the, that's a fucking Brian De Palma thriller, you know, <laughs> like it really leans in, he really leans into it. Uh, and that's very fun. And it was fun to like sort of rediscover. Cause I forget, I don't know. It's been a long time. We didn't, I think we did like a retrospective or rewatch kind of thing a couple years ago. maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if we like actually recorded like a retrospective per se, but I know that right. I rewatched all of them before fallout came out. That's Uh, probably it, And I think I did the same thing before Rogue Nation came out. Like, I (laughs) I think uh, I I definitely did it before Fallout, for sure. Actually, I think when I did it for Fallout, I think that was the first time I had ever seen Mission Impossible 2. That Uh, sounds right. So, yeah, but the first one, and that was kind of my, thinking when I saw the first one, then rewatching it from Fallout, I was like, this movie is like really terrific. Just a, a, a great like 90s blockbuster spy thriller. Like there's so many cool directorial flourishes in that movie. So much of it is so tense. You have Jean Reno in there. Yeah. It's wild. And you don't really think about it as much compared to four, five and six because of all the crazy, like because of what that franchise became. The first one is so different than yeah. what the rest of the series ended up being. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just, like, so directed. I mean, the other, I mean, obviously it's John Woo and then J.J. Abrams and uh, yeah. and all that, so, like, there are, like, you know, serious directors and stuff, um, but, like, just all the Dutch angles and and shooting stuff from the floor, looking up, and uh, we, just weird shit that Brian De Palma's like, what if we did this, because he's Brian De Palma, yeah. uh, that really make that movie uh, fun to watch, and then and then it just, like, cooks. It's two hours, and we, I was watching it, and I never once was like, okay like all right we can move on every now all of a sudden we're on the train at the end and i'm like what the fuck like what how'd you do this to me brian de palma um so yeah just re- rediscovering a movie that i watched a ton of times on vhs and like hadn't really watched probably a lot since then what a, what a, what a blast yes mission impossible one hot yeah. take here on mike and mike go to <laughs> the
0: <laughs> yes what were your takes on uh, mission impossible two and three while we're here
1: um I think it's interesting that the John Woo one is probably the worst one, I think. Um, It's weird, right? (laughs) It's so weird. It takes a very long time until there's action. Uh, And then when there's action, it's like, holy shit, yes, this fucking John Woo, you know? But it takes a long time to get there, I feel. And it's so weird how that one is just zero, like, no consequences at all to the rest of the franchise, right? He's, like, married to uh, Thandaway Newton at the end of that, or not married, but, like, they run off together. Mission Impossible 3, gone. Michelle,
0: uh, it's Michelle Monahan, right? <laughs> Michelle Monahan, who Michelle yeah, Monahan. he's married to Michelle Monahan in that movie.
1: Right. And nobody else from two ever comes up ever again. Uh and then Mission Impossible 3 is the entire emotional backbone for the next three like four it's the whole rest of the franchise is like have him having to leave Michelle Monahan at the end of that movie. Yeah. And then she's dead, quote unquote, in four. Uh, and then yeah, it's just all about that. Uh, that relationship becomes the French, like the backbone of the franchise. So it's weird how two is irrelevant and three is like kind of the uh, the heart of the rest of the movies.
0: Yeah, if this was a, if this was the Fast and Furious franchise, like Tandui Newton would have shown up in like Mission Impossible Seven, like would show up in Mission Impossible Seven or something yeah. in, like a key supporting role, and people would be losing their mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the, one of the things I'm excited for, which I didn't realize, is that uh, in not Fallout. What's the next Dead Reckoning? Dead Reckoning
0: Part 1, Mike. Part
1: 1. The guy, like Kittredge, the guy that plays Kittredge is back. Um, So like, now I'm kind of wondering if this is supposed to be like the last two movies that will wrap up the whole franchise. Like, will those people come back? Because that'd be, That'd be kind of fun. It'd be kind of a, have full, that a full
0: circle thing. I know also, I think Vanessa Kirby's character is supposed to be like the daughter of Vanessa Redgrave's character in the first movie. Right. Is that right?
1: I, I, she definitely is talking about Max, which was like when I watched fallout this time, I, I finally caught that cause I hadn't watched the first one in forever. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, holy shit. We were all like freaking out. Um, but I don't know if she's the daughter or like adopted daughter or some kind of weird thing, but they, she is in that speech when Vanessa Kirby at first appears, she's talking about Vanessa Redgrave's character. Gotcha. Uh, in like a mentor mentor role kind of thing so yeah that's very cool also so like I'm hoping just let's just tie it all together in a fun deep bow
0: you know yeah definitely Mission Impossible three thoughts uh just kind of throw those out there real quick Mike just too shaky
1: you know very fun (laughs) the action's really cool uh Carrie Russell for ten minutes? Why? She should have been in the whole the whole thing. She was great. Yeah.
0: I mean really it's because uh she was on Felicity, right? The uh which JJ Abrams oh, yes. produced or created or whatever. That right? tracks. Yeah. Uh so I think that was more why why she was in the movie for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, I wish I wish Maggie Q was still around. She's great in three and and uh Philip Seymour Hoffman is maybe one of the best uh like acted villains. And and it's such a fascinating type of villain because it's not a like physically menacing
0: persona that he is. He is yeah. just
1: terrifying though. He is so powerful in that movie without being like, I can beat you up kind of scary.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean he he really like powers the movie, I think, that performance. Philip is incredible uh in three. Yeah, I gotta do I gotta do a rewatch one of these days. You've done two rewatches in the last <laughs> two months <laughs> and
1: it's fun it's fun too to see simon Pegg be in three as like basically a cat like a buddy cameo for jj abrams yes he's just like the tech guy in the like main office it's got nothing to do with it and then in four, oh, I passed the field exam, and now he's like the main dude. Uh, yeah. so that's that's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, so that's the Mission Impossible franchise. uh, Which actually, side note to that too, Uh, like you said, Maggie Q should have come back, which that w- that would have been cool. I've always thought that Paula Patton should have been back in more movies oh, too. Absolutely, in, yeah, yeah. Protocol, she's incredible in that movie. Like it's, I mean, you know, the, the female co-stars like never really recurred until Rebecca yeah. Ferguson came around, uh, and then everybody is like just could like undeniably like, well, Rebecca Ferguson's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> <Because> we, can't, <laughs> just, we can't stop. But yeah. Yeah, all right. The Mission Impossible series. There you go. Uh, and I have an actual movie that uh, I wanted to talk about, which, uh, Mike, you actually saw in theaters as well recently. And uh, that is Bullet Train, uh, which oh, yeah. is the new movie uh, directed by David Leitch, who uh, directed uh, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Hobbs and Shaw, and, uh, you know, is also known for co-directing John Wick. And as part of that, like 3711 or 2711. What is it? I think it's 3711.
1: I think it's 37.
0: Yeah. yeah that, that, that like stunt team crew sort of thing. But yeah, Bullet Train. Is a movie uh, starring Brad Pitt in the lead role, as well as a huge ensemble of characters, including uh, Joey King and Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, and a bunch more that are actually like almost like spoilers to like reveal who is in this movie because like every time somebody turns around, it's like oh, it's a new cameo from this yeah. person. <laughs> uh, but uh, Bullet Train is a movie where uh, Brad Pitt plays like a hitman who is just kind of do a simple. It's just supposed to be a simple job, you know, and uh, <laughs> just. Always is. Just uh, grab a briefcase off of a bullet train, take it off. And then two other hitmen get involved and you know this uh, kind of large, larger gang war plot uh, becomes part of it too. Uh, it's very much uh, evoking that kind of like 90s Tarantino knockoff style of movie. Uh, I would go one step further and say it's more like Guy Ritchie knockoff style of movie. Yeah. But I had a really good time with Bullet Train. I think this movie is very, very fun. I think the action is very clear and inventive and cool. I think it starts to look a little worse towards the end. I feel like it almost like, it feels like it runs out of the visual effects budget like halfway through the climax or whatever it is, yeah. but I really enjoyed, uh, bullet train. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to give that movie a shout out. Mike, what did you think of this movie?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's pretty fun. I think it's a good, uh, you know, kind of mindless action movie, a little more cartoony comic booky. And I think it is a comic book or manga or something, right? There's some, that would make sense. There is some kind of, uh, uh, like source material to this. I don't remember exactly what it is, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, assassins on a train doing crazy action, it's, uh, fights, guns. It's, uh, bullets on a train, you know, like I don't know. it's fun. You know, it's it's kind of goofy. It was, it was a kind of pretty funny moment. Like after the movie ended, my mom was just like, well, I, I saw it with my parents too, which is very funny. Uh, my mom was just like, Yeah, it's like a Guy Ritchie movie, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> which is hilarious for my mom to like make that snipe, right? Um, but yeah, Bullet Train. I don't know, I didn't, I don't think I like loved it, but I didn't not like it, you know, it was, a, it was a shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up violent tra- yeah. train comedy. don't like- <laughs>
0: You know, yes, I I had a very good time with it, and uh, it it seems like people either like really love this movie or really hate it for whatever reason. Yeah, Uh, I know I know a few people at uh, at the Roxy. We were showing this at the Roxy, and uh, it was one of those things where it's like this seems like it's a little like outside of our general wheelhouse of the kind of stuff we show, but it's like fun that we're showing it did pretty well. And uh, I remember there was like one group of people that uh, came out. It was like this older group of like six, 60 year olds. Uh, I was like four people that came out and they were like, that was like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Like they were going nuts for it. And, Hell then, yeah. and then the next showing uh, another older couple, like also in their sixties came out, like walked out 15 minutes into the movie and they were like, uh, it's not for us. And then, wow. <laughs> and then left. that's funny. And it's funny. I, I think that is the, uh, the star Power of Brad Pitt that has kind of drawn people in, like just not even knowing what the movie's about and getting kind of surprised when they are in for a very violent action movie. To which I say, you're seeing a movie called Bullet Train.
1: <laughs> I mean, I gotta say... Perfect title. Like, yes. Incredible
0: pun. Nice. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, Bullet Train, it's out in theaters right now. I really enjoyed it. Also wanted to uh, throw out a uh, the other new release that I saw recently, uh, which is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And uh, this is the new movie uh, directed by Helena Rain, uh, starring people like Maria Bakalova uh, is in this, uh, who is in Borat 2. Rachel Sinat from Shiva Baby. Pete Davidson is in this. Lee Pace, who is un- incredible in uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Big fan of Lee Pace. Uh, and this is a... Slasher movie about a couple of, te- like a group of teenagers who are hanging out in a house during a hurricane. And uh, they play, they have this, like, you know, party game they play called Bodies, 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 where one of them has to, you know, it's basically a werewolf. One of them has to be like the murderer, and, right. you know, somebody ends up getting killed and they have to figure out who it is and that kind of thing. And then the game turns real. Uh, wow. And, uh, you know, this movie, I it's pretty, it's, it's fine. It's, (laughs) it's a fine Mm. time. I mean, at the selling point for this movie that I think a lot of people have been talking about is the fact that it's a slasher movie, but it's also supposed to be this like Gen Z satire kind of thing. And I think the Gen Z satirical elements are pretty forced onto the movie, especially towards the end. But I think Rachel Sinat especially is given an incredible performance. She's like locked into what this movie needs to be. And she's very fun. Also Lee Pace, who is playing the like older dude that one of the girls is seeing in the, like, you know, these are, this is like a group of like, you know, teenage to 20 year olds. Right. Yeah. And Lee Pace is like almost 40. And he's like this dude who is like just shirtless the entire time. And he has like long hair and it just has like this, like very laid back vibe about him. Uh, And he's very, very funny. And I think the movie peaks very early. Uh, because uh, he's like completely out of place with like the rest of these kids right uh, and it peaks very early when he like takes a sword off of the wall and slices open a champagne bottle with its, <laughs> it's like incredible
1: <laughs> did you see all the the stuff the behind the scenes stuff that he was practicing that with his sword from the Hobbit like at home like <laughs> to get that move right uh, and he did some interview when he was just like, "Yeah, I don't I, like I, I had to make sure I could actually do that, and I have a sword at home."
0: There you go. I mean, it, you know, the practice paid off because it is a—it's really incredible at the movie. That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, there's there's some moments that I found pretty funny. Um, I think th- and I think as a slasher, like I'm always just kind of down for a slasher where kids are getting killed, right? So yeah, uh, you know, in that respect, it's kind of fun. I think the twist at the end is uh, is what it is. But yeah, bodies, bodies, bodies. It's an okay time.
1: Yeah, that's I haven't seen it, but I saw the trailer for it, and I could tell when it's just like kind of a montage of them saying Gen Z stuff. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be so fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, I, w- I want to check it out, but maybe, probably not in theaters. You know, I'll wait till it comes out on the and watch it that way.
0: Fair enough. All right, what else have you been watching, Mike?
1: Um, next thing I want to talk about is uh, a movie on Netflix that came out, I think a couple weeks ago, called Day Shift. Uh, and this is uh, directed by JJ Perry. Fighter of the st- Night Shift. F- correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of. You're right, though. Uh, which, do you know anything about this movie? Have you heard about this?
0: Oh, uh, is this the uh, the Jamie Foxx vampire movie?
1: That's the one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, it's Jamie Foxx. Uh, Dave Franco is in it. Uh, uh, Snoop Dogg is in it. Nice. And yeah, Jamie, Jamie Foxx uh, is a vampire slayer that. You know, he's having uh, the classic can't make enough money. His ex-wife is going to move if he can't pay the whatever, the movie tax. I don't know. I forget exactly <laughs> what did. The MacGuffin tax. Uh, right. Uh, and take his daughter away with, with her. So he um, has to go back on the, he's like an independent guy right now. He's got to rejoin the Vampire Slayer Union and he gets put on the day shift where there's no vampires because it's the daytime and he needs that money um, and it's pretty fun. I think the action is really cool. JJ Perry, who was on, uh, an episode of the movies that made me Joe Dante's podcast, which Joe Dante like loved this movie, which was very funny. Yeah. Um, is part of the 37, 87, 11, whatever the hell it is. Uh, the Chad
0: Stahelski, David Leach crew. I think, I think it actually is 87, 11. I'm pretty I think sure. it is 87. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: he's part of that or at least tangential to it and it was a stunt man himself and all this stuff so the action in it is really cool uh, and he talked about on that podcast having this idea to have it all the vampires be contortionists and filmed in reverse. So they just look extra creepy as fuck. So it's this really cool, janky fight style that they all have. And all the fight scenes are cool, like, you know, look off putting and weird. Uh, super violent. Um, you know, it's fun. I think it's a big dumb action movie if you look at it on that level. But on another level, it's like this really weird anti union screed because the union is just in Jamie Foxx's way the whole time. And that's such a weird choice to make in 2022. Um, yeah. But. I'll put that aside. Uh, it's very fun. Um, Dave Franco. I don't. Did I say that he's in this also? He um, gets assigned as a union rep to Jamie Foxx to like shadow him and make sure he doesn't do any violations. And David Franco is just such a good like scrawny. I'm so scared kind of guy <laughs> in all those like giant action fight scenes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's fun. We watched it. Good times. You know, day shift. Okay. Pretty. Pre- Fun times, Netflix, you know?
0: Cool. All right. That's day shift and that's on Netflix. What else are you watching, Mike?
1: Um, so off of that, um, like I said, JJ Perry was on Movies That Made Me, and he did a whole thing, his whole episode was all about uh, Hong Kong action films. And we're also doing the season three of the complete works drops next Monday coming yes. up the twenty ninth.
0: August twenty-ninth. Get ready. The owl versus bombo is set to take the world by storm.
1: <laughs> coming in hot. Um <laughs> and so he was a stunt man in Hong Kong in the late eighties and nineties, uh, JJ Perry. And he was talking about Curry Yoon and uh, Samo Han, all these people that like we've been talking about on uh, The Complete Works. And I realized that I need to watch other stuff besides just the Michelle Yeoh movies that we're watching. I need to broaden, broaden the horizon, have a, sure. a, a larger pool of references. Um, and also, Michelle Yeoh is in Police Story 3. So Police Story 1 is on uh, HBO Max right now. Nice. And I was like, what better time than now? So I threw in uh, Police Story uh, directed by Jackie Chan, starring Jackie Chan, of course, uh, and yeah, I know I've never seen this before, and I know this is sort of like the big one or one of the big ones for him. Yeah, um, and I'm definitely it's it's fun to go back and watch young Jackie Chan because I'm really probably only familiar with like him coming to Hollywood in like the late 90s when I was a little kid the with Rush Adam Hour
0: movies. Shanghai Nights Jackie Chan yeah just tuxedo you know like all that kind of <laughs> shit um, we all remember the tuxedo everybody <laughs> who can forget that um, <laughs> he had a tuxedo that fought for him I think right Was that- <laughs> I, th-
1: I think it's a robot seat yeah it's something yeah, like yeah. that <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that. So I was like, let me go back and start with the big one, I guess, a police story. And yeah, fan the the whole opening scene where they're like raiding this kind of like shanty town where there's this like drug lord and it's just uh, erupts into this giant shootout, which culminates in them driving their cars down the mountain through the shanty town. Yeah. Where there's people on the roofs, like for <laughs> real, um, which is insane and the shit exploding. And it's just the most bonkers stuff. And uh, yeah, I think it was a lot of fun. It's it's kind of, the, there's a few moments um, towards like the middle of the movie. It's a whole big, like we always talk about, or we'll be talking about a lot on, on the Complete Works episodes. There's a whole big convoluted plot. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's a big fight scene like around a couple cars in a parking lot where Jackie Chan multiple times, somber salts backwards and forwards through the back seat out open windows uh, around this car. <laughs> and you're just like, one, well, how is this possible? Right. Two, I understand everything about why this man is the legend that he is. You know, like you're just seeing that those stun, those those moves, those stunts. You're just like, ah, it's all it all becomes clear now. It's all coming
0: together. Yeah,
1: so I'm very excited. Police Story Two is also on HBO Max, and I think they're probably both also on the Criterion Channel. I didn't look, but I think they probably are. Yes,
0: because Criterion put out a, a, a disc uh, a while ago with both movies.
1: Right, yeah. And with everything going on with HBO Max, who the hell knows what'll, what'll still be there by the end of the, this episode. Yeah, they, um, they
0: could be erasing it as we speak right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to check out Toy, uh, Toy Story. I'm going to check out Police Story 2. You should um, check out Toy
0: Story also. It's pretty good. I
1: might check out Toy Story. Uh, <laughs> Police Story 2 before we get there for the, the Complete Works episode. I'm very very excited.
0: Nice, yeah. I mean, The original Police Story, uh, I saw it as part of the... Uh, when, I, when I first moved to Missoula, uh, I discovered that uh, the Roxy, every New Year's, does... A a Kung Fu movie marathon, which you you can just like go to. You buy a ticket for like, it's like 10 bucks and you can just go and you can kind of just come and go as you please. Like you can go watch one movie or you can go hang out for the whole thing. I didn't know anybody in Missoula at the time. uh, So it was like New Year's Eve, I had nothing to do. So I just went there at noon, sat down and watched six Kung Fu movies. Uh, The second one was Police Story and uh, my world was forever changed. (laughs) It was incredible.
1: Have you ever seen, um, Armor of God? I have not. I think that's another Jackie Chan movie because JJ Perry also on that episode referenced Armor of God. Um, as like an inspiration for Day Shift, and then on the film cast, Dan Trachtenberg was on talking about Prey, and he also referenced Armor of God as a okay uh, like influ- influence for Prey. And I was just like, "What I got? What is happening?" I didn't have time to look for that, but I saw so I was like, "Well, I'll settle on Police Story." Uh But yeah, I was just like, the the Hong Kong action film is in is in the ether right now. I there you I'll
0: go. Say. Nice. All right, I have to check that out at some point. I know I know a lot of the Jackie Chan movies are on Criterion Channel. Not a lot. I mean. He has so many
1: movies. (laughs) A bunch.
0: (laughs) Uh, But a a good chunk. I mean, a lot lot of the 70s stuff, I think, is on the Criterion channel. Uh, So worth uh, kind of checking out some stuff there. Uh, But all right, that is Police Story, which is on HBO Max right now. And then uh, I wanted to talk about another cinematic masterpiece that uh, I had never seen before, also on HBO Max, actually, uh, weirdly enough. Uh, and I think actually I watched it because it said it was leaving HBO Max pretty soon. And actually, actually the reason I watched this movie specifically <laughs> is because <laughs> I woke up at like 6 a.m. Or it was like 5.30 and my girlfriend went to work and uh, I, you know, had, had the day off and I was like, oh, I want to sleep in, but like I... I'm, I'm awake now. I can't go back to sleep. Like I, I was just like tossing and turning and couldn't go back to sleep. So it was 6 a.m. And I was like, you know what? I'll go watch a movie. And then if I feel tired afterwards, I'll just like take a nap or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. But I didn't want to pick anything that was going to be like, you know, too intellectually taxing or whatever in case I actually <laughs> fell asleep while watching the movie, right? Can't
1: put on Antichrist and fall asleep. Exactly.
0: Know? Yeah. Uh, so so I went on HBO Max. I was surfing through, and I saw that Deep Blue Sea was expiring off of the service, <laughs> and uh, I had never seen it before. So I was like, "All right, well, you know what? This feels like one that I should have seen at some point. But if I fall asleep while watching it, I'm not gonna feel too bad." About it.
1: Did you fall asleep?
0: I did not. I stayed awake through the whole thing because this movie rips.
1: Fuck yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's this movie's colossally dumb. Like, it's really stupid. <laughs> but, you know, it's smart. The sharks. It, the sharks are so smart in this movie. <laughs> uh, so in this movie, uh, Saffron Burroughs uh, plays a scientist who is working to cure Alzheimer's by experimenting on the brains of sharks. So already yes. we're in. Go the on. Yeah. <laughs> And in the process, she accidentally makes the sharks super intelligent, as you do. Uh, And so everybody who's on the base that are like looking at the sharks are suddenly endangered. The base is like collapsed and the sharks are like systematically hunting them down one by one. And this movie has an insane cast Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the guy who's like, you know, funding the whole operation. You also have LL Cool J as the chef. Uh, And I knew they were in the movie. I did not know that Thomas Jane was in this movie. And I did not know that Stellan Skarsgård, of all people, was in this movie Fuck yeah he is <laughs> uh also janice from uh, the sopranos tony's sister is in this movie she's the radio tower person yeah uh, so <laughs> there's that too um but yeah this movie is crazy uh it's directed by rennie harlan um who was the director of die hard 2 also did the long kiss good night which is one of my favorites uh cliffhanger which i also watched recently <laughs> <Fuck yeah. laughs> been on a rennie harlan kick recently and yeah deep blue sea is just a it's a wild time uh it there is many moments where i like had to roll my eyes at how stupid this was, and like couldn't believe this got like a theatrical release. Other times when I was like, "This is incredible! This is the best movie!"
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. There's a reason this is a Mike D favorite. I love this movie so much. Yeah, um, I'm so excited. I, one, I don't think I knew that you didn't want hadn't seen it because I when after I saw your tweet about it, I went to the Mike make Mike make Mike, Mike watch list, and it wasn't on there. Oh, really? So I, okay, I was not aware because I definitely
0: would have put it on there. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I I just feel like Deep Blue Sea is the movie that comes up all that often. <laughs> I
1: mean, maybe not, but in your, in, in my world, (laughs) (laughs) it's fair enough.
0: (laughs) And it it does feel like, like, I feel like it's a movie that's like, you know, to be fair, I think it is referenced kind of often as like, you know, that big nineties blockbuster as, as, as shark movies go, I think it gets referenced fairly frequently. You know, I feel like it's one of the more well-known ones in the last like 20 years. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that I finally got to watch one of your favorites, Mike. I'm I'm sorry it wasn't part of the Mike makes Mike watch.
1: Did you know what happens to Samuel Jackson before you were watching the movie?
0: <laughs> I was vaguely aware of what uh, happened okay. to Samuel. J- like where he, uh, he is b- doing the big speech and then gets eaten by the shark.
1: Yeah, in the middle of his big monologue. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: yes I, I was kind of aware of that. Uh, uh although although I think I f- I thought I'm in my head. I don't think I knew it was Sam Jackson that it happened to. I thought it was LL Cool J. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Who actually survives the movie? So uh yeah. there's that so yeah that's good
1: That's one of the thing, like I kind of wish that I just because this like that this movie's so dumb. But like imagine being in the theaters and whenever this came out, two thousand two or nineteen ninety nine or whatever the hell it was, and not knowing that's gonna happen. That must have been insane. <laughs> yeah. That Samuel Jackson gets killed halfway through this movie.
0: Exactly, and uh, that and that's the mindset you have to put yourself in when watching Deep Blue Sea. I think yes, uh, which, absolutely. And it was the perfect movie to watch uh, in my circumstances. As soon as it ended, I went to I went right to sleep and slept for like four hours. <laughs>
1: perfect. <laughs> Sounds like the ideal situation for every day.
0: Exactly. All right. So that is Deep Blue Sea. It's on HBO Max, at least for the time being. I think. I I think it's leaving at the end of the month, or at the end of this sentence. It's it's definitely (laughs) possible (laughs) that David Zaslav is just like going through and like systematically. (laughs) Yeah. Take, taking out deep blue sea like the sharks in the movie take out the base. Whoa, nice. Uh, what else you been watching, Mike?
1: Um, so I got a, a new release to talk about, uh, which is called Glorious, which is on uh, Shutter Original right now, and it's uh, directed by Rebecca McKendry, who co-hosts uh, the Colors of the Dark podcast. Which uh, I don't know if you've listened to that, but we're big. I'm a big fan,
0: right? Yeah, uh, I don't listen to the podcast, but I've heard her. Uh, you know, I've heard her guest on Screen Drafts a few times, and I've heard her on a podcast, and yeah. I, and I, I actually follow her on Twitter and so I've been seeing a lot of like promotion for uh, this movie for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's about this guy who's played by uh, Ryan Quantin who I don't I recognize him but I don't know what he's from if that is makes that sense. that
0: the guy from Party Down am I thinking about that right? Is that, um, is that a different guy? That's Ryan it's, Hansen, maybe.
1: Maybe. He was in Knights of Badassdom, which I saw. He's in Dead Silence. I'm looking at his... Uh,
0: looking at his uh, like IMDb right now or whatever. Yeah.
1: That's kind of kind of the only ones that jump out real quick without like having uh, Legends of the Guardians, whatever the hell that movie was with the... Uh, the Zack
0: Snyder owl movie.
1: <laughs> the owl movie? Yeah, you know. Yeah. He's one of those guys. <laughs> um, but I think he was also in t- some TV show. But anyway... He plays this guy who's like uh, down in the dumps. He's out on this. He was on True Blood. True Blood. Was True. A show. That's what it was. That's the yes. one. Yes. Uh, nights of Bed asked him. No. Um, <laughs> uh, he's just, you know down in the dumps. He's on this big road trip, falling asleep at the wheel, kind of thing, and he f- sees this. This uh, rest stop in the middle of nowhere and it's gross and grungy and he pulls over you know take a nap kind of thing and he goes into the bathroom and in the bathroom is a glory hole the titular glorious hole um <laughs> which I think is hilarious <laughs> um and somebody starts talking to him from the other side of the glory hole in the other st- in the stall next to him and it's voiced by J.K. Simmons and it turns out to maybe be potentially an elder god demigod thing Okay. You know? Like maybe this is fate that has brought them together to be in this goopy, gross bathroom stall on the side of the road uh, for larger reasons, and it just becomes this kind of like test test of wits uh, between the two of them in this kind of single, you know, one room, d- d- g- gross g- horror comedy thing, and it's a lot of fun because it's got you know it's it's goopy, it's it's weird, it's eighty minutes long, just fucking mwah, chef's kiss, you know, All right. um, yeah, it's it's kind of it would be like a weird like highbrow, lowbrow pairing with color, uh, color out his face. Like it's kind of like a similar ish vibe to that. Uh, lots of purples and blues and pinks, uh, lot, you know, all that stuff going on. But this is just like the grungy version of that, uh, where this guy, you know, maybe he's got this dark past uh, that's com- coming back to haunt him for this uh, feeding this gross thing. Um, and yeah, JK Simmons is amazing in it. And it's definitely one of those things that like it was somebody else, um, you know, on set, and he just right. did the vo- <laughs> voice for the movie. But he's so good uh in it, and the main performance is very good. So yeah, and I mean, it's cool. It's like a podcast, the person that I, I admire and follow, and and she made directed a movie, and it's on Shutter, and it's like a big hit for them. So that's that's exciting. That's nice. uh, that's that's glorious.
0: Nice. It's just like last week watching a uh, prey directed by Dan Trachtenberg. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Two in a row. <laughs> Uh, there you go. All right, so Glorious is on shutter right now. Uh, I have a few rewatches that I wanted to talk about here. Uh, first off, we had a buddy come by for his birthday, actually, a listener of this podcast. It was Jake's birthday. Happy birthday, Jake! Happy Uh, birthday if you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, we uh ended up uh taking over the Roxy and watching Starship Troopers after hours. And uh, Starship Troopers, man, uh, that movie rules, it's very good. I had been a couple years since I watched it, which actually, the last like, this was my second time seeing it. Like, I had watched it for the the first time a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, this movie is very good. Uh, it's, you know, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, it's incredibly satirical, which uh, at the time people didn't really understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, historically speaking, like people just saw the movie, it got negative reviews when it came out, and it was like, considered militaristic propaganda. And then like years later, people were like, oh wait, that was the point. That was the <laughs> whole... <laughs> That's oh, he what had it was, his fingers what,
1: crossed the whole time.
0: Yeah, that's what it was making fun of this whole time. Uh, and so yeah, there's there's so many just like random bits in this movie that I really love. I quoted one earlier, but uh, the the bit where you know every once in a while it like cuts away to like different commercials or different like programs that are happening in this weird future. And uh, one of them that I just always thought was so prescient is uh, the moment where it's like a, a roundtable discussion between like like a debate going on between these two people on TV, and uh, one of them's like, well, you know, what if this uh, this bug has the ability to think and feel and one guy is just like this one guy like in a bow tie and it's like, a bug that thinks, frankly, I find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive and just like shuts down the conversation. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, And it was like, oh, this is just like watching Fox News now. It's great. (laughs) Uh, It's the same then as it is now. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Starship Troopers 1997. It is a delight. Uh, Also recently rewatched. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. uh, The the, live action? The original live action TMNT movie, uh, which has Corey Feldman as one of the turtles. Uh, I want to say Leonardo, maybe? It's totally possible. I mean, he's he's just doing the voice. He's not in the costume, uh, from what I understand. Uh, But yeah, this movie I hadn't seen since I was a kid, and uh, the Roxy recently played it in the Roxy Garden, and uh, I was working it, so I got to watch the movie. And uh, yeah, this is a, it's a fairly enjoyable time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All, All right. right. You know, as I, I have goodwill towards the turtles. I think the turtles are fun because, you know, they're just four teenagers living in the sewer, eating pizza. I mean, it's the dream, right? It's, <laughs> it's great. Well, Absolutely. And yeah, although they the Ninja Turtles order dominoes in this movie, which is like, come on, they live in New York City. Uh, and they're ordering dominoes. <laughs> like, Disgusting, just pathetic, uh, really. But uh, really, really, actually, the star of this movie for me um, was the practical uh, creature effects and puppetry that was going on here. Um, because this was actually one of the last projects that Jim Henson worked on before he died. What? Yeah, this was part of like H- the Henson workshop, and so you know the turtles have these like costumes that actually look very good like considering the world of the film you know <laughs> and yeah, everything yeah. uh the costumes are cool like split uh splinter the rat it looks really great and like you know all the puppetry Please in this movie. master splinter <laughs> yeah of course yeah <laughs> i haven't uh, i haven't earned the right to, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to just refer to him my splinter <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think everything looks really good in this movie. Uh, and so that was a pretty cool thing to see. Um, but yeah, Ninja Turtles, it's still a fun time. Also wanted to mention that I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, for the first time since it was in theaters, uh, which I saw it in theaters four times. Uh, so, but I had, I've had the Blu-ray for a while and a couple weeks ago I was like dreadfully sick, like down and out, like really bad. And to the, it's like, you know, it was like a weird stomach bug thing. It was like a 24 hour thing. I was fine the next day. Um, but I woke up that morning and just like, I can't go to work. I gotta stay home and like eventually maneuvered my way to the couch and I was just like I I just gotta like put on something that I you know, like it's like a comfort watch kind of thing. I'm meaning to rewatch once upon a time in Hollywood and uh, you know, and that movie's still great and it played really well uh, and I was able to kind of like watch it while in my like sick fugue state. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I didn't feel like any better after I watched the movie like as far as my sickness had gone but I felt like I had been on a journey with some friends, uh, and nice. <laughs> that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Also, rewatched uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, which uh, is a movie that uh, I had not seen until my girlfriend made me watch it about a year or two ago, maybe. I'm not sure exactly when it was, um, but there was a Missoula outdoor cinema thing that was happening uh, in town, and uh, that was one of the movies they were showing, so we went to go see it, and uh, you know, this movie's very good. I like this movie. is nice. nice. It's some good stuff. Uh, I feel like when I watched it the first time, I was like, ah, yeah, this is fine, whatever, and uh, this time around watching it, I was like, okay, this is actually very funny. Uh, there's a lot of very funny moments and ten things I had about you. Some great like ac- acting, specifically from Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger, and actually, I mean Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in this. David Crumholtz, like, there's a very like stacked cast in this movie. Is there a
1: Freddie <laughs> Prince in this? Probably not. Actually, I-, no. I
0: don't believe he is. But I can tell you that uh, it has an incredible soundtrack. Uh, and you know, as as a '90s ska alternative guy, you know, this this is a movie that ends with a high school prom where the band is Save Ferris and Letters to Cleo playing together. Wow. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, this is great. I mean, <laughs> this, is a, this is a delight. <laughs> so yeah, 10 days I Hate About You is good. And then also a uh, quick shout out to the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> my God. Uh, which uh, finally finished it. Uh, the Roxy was doing uh, one Twilight movie a month. We finally finished the series. And me and my girlfriend made it to most of them. And watching Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 with the crowd was a very fun experience. Because I don't know if you've seen the movie, Mike. Have you seen Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2?
1: Um no I think I was off the Twilight movie train by the time that came around.
0: Okay, had you because I know you read the books. I read right? the books before the movies. Yeah. Okay. Had you? How many of the movies did you see?
1: I think the first two. I might have seen Eclipse. I don't remember.
0: Okay. I mean, my, my but, memory of them because uh, I, I my girlfriend made me watch all of them for the first time. I had never seen any of them. I completely missed that train when it was happening uh, in yeah. real life. My memory is that Eclipse was actually the best of the five. Uh, Interesting. As, as far as the movies go, I mean that's the only one where like things happen. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: that one actually has like vampires and werewolves fighting each other, and that's fun. This one was my second favorite at the time. And watching it here, th- I mean, this is the one that has like an elaborate like a vision sequence that ha- involves like several of the main characters dying horrific deaths. Yes. I've uh, heard of this. Yeah. And, uh, it's incredible to watch it in a theater. I mean, this movie is like very funny an un- unintentional ways. And I felt like, uh, the scene in Cape fear where, you know, Robert De Niro has like the big cigar and is just like hands behind his head, just like kicking back. It's like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah. this is great. I also had a couple of beers, but it was a good time. <laughs>
1: There's actually in day shift an extended Breaking Dawn part two goof. Uh, really, where they're, where they're talking about it, yeah, like oh man, you got to see Bella's got her baby now in this one, and it's like a whole thing. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the creepy CGI vampires. baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Isn't isn't like the live action like the doll they made somewhere? That's because it was too scary. They had to like <laughs> CGI it. I don't. Uh, know.
0: I don't know anything about that, but yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it's it like it just looks like. Oddly unsettling, the entire crowd laughed when the baby showed up, uh, which was great. Renezme is the baby's name, of course. I mean, that movie opens with like, Uh, like Bella has become a vampire, uh, at this point. And, uh, the first like half of the movie is just Kristen Stewart, like breaking rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's just her like testing out her vampire powers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then also like Jacob does the thing where he like imprints on the baby. And it's, it's very funny watching that in a, (laughs) in a theater of people that get it and like you know, it's, it's a weird thing. It's it's fun times. But then also, like, it's a weird thing, too, where that movie, like, R- Rami Malek's in Breaking Dawn Part Two. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, because a lot of what Breaking Dawn Part Two does is, like, introduce you to a bunch of new characters to, like, lead up to this, like, final confrontation, which, in actuality, isn't really a confrontation because there isn't one. Like, they get up, yeah. so they, they meet Michael Sheen and his army of vampires, and then there's the vision where there's the big battle sequence. And the reason that's in there is because nothing happens they just like meet up and then he's like okay you're free to go and then they leave yeah <laughs> like- yeah yeah
1: so it's like just, Volturi or whatever they're hel- yeah or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something
0: like that. Um, but so that like half of the movie is just assembling the team of like these vampires that are going to help out the Cullens. Uh, and it's all people that you've never seen before in the series.
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> you know, like at least when it happens in like Harry Potter or whatever, it's like, okay, there's like characters that have been seeded out throughout the whole series that like you feel a connection to. And yeah. And Twilight, it just, she's like, hey, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> <laughs> Super weird. But there you go. So that's Breaking down Part 2. I think it was a, it was a very fun theatrical experience. I'm glad. Uh, what else have you been watching, Mike?
1: Um, well, real quick, you were talking about the, uh, I only have one more movie, but uh, talking about the like special effects and, and the puppetry and stuff in Ninja Turtles um, made me re- remember that I didn't realize or had never realized that Rob Botine did the special effects in Mission Impossible 1. Oh, okay. Uh, it was like, the, like I noticed the credit and I was like, no wonder all the masks and prosthetics and like all that shit looks so fucking good. It's Rob Votin. Um, right. So once again, want to really reiterate Mission Impossible 1, good movie. Um, nice. <laughs> just, just to bring that back in case people forgot. Um, it the is last also mo- the
0: funniest thing that like a recurring element in the Mission Impossible series is like taking off the mask to reveal <laughs> who you really are.
1: It's honestly like uh, the six movie punchline when that works <laughs> on Henry Cavill's <laughs> character in Fallout after he makes fun of it. <laughs> right. Uh, is like just this like
0: scooby-doo thing like a a weird relic from the 70s tv version of mission impossible that like (laughs) otherwise this franchise has completely ignored
1: (laughs) yeah and it's fun funny too that and the the uh like you know tom cruise almost touching the floor pose uh it only is like story relevant in the first one but then they just like do it a bunch (laughs) in all the other ones uh which just like for fun like they did the thing moments um so yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a whole thing about Mission Impossible again, but um, <laughs> the last movie I wanted to talk about is another new release uh, from 2022 called Resurrection. Um, ah, yes. Yes, uh, and this stars Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, and... Um, Rebecca Hall's daughter is played by Grace Kaufman, who I don't know from anything else, but she's fucking amazing in this. And yeah, this is a a, a thr- thriller, domestic drama thing, you know, like uh, if you saw Nighthouse, it's not quite as outright horrific as Nighthouse with like the ghosts and all that shit. But it's another one of those, you know, uh, w- women on the edge, uh, reality becoming frayed kind right. of movies, which Rebecca Hall plays so fucking good. She's amazing at that. And she's so good in this movie. Um, and Tim Roth plays this guy, uh, from her past, like an ex relationship kind of dude. And Tim Roth also plays that kind of deeply charming, pleasant kind of guy, but with this kind of undercurrent of, I can do the most unspeakable things yeah. and like, you know, I can, uh, which makes the charmingness even scarier. Um, And the two of them together is just like fucking, you know, sparks, lightning, chemistry. It's crazy watching, seeing them go off uh, against each other in this kind of movie. And um, it has the added little benefit of being filmed entirely on location in Albany, New York, where we went to college. Uh, So every now and then you're like, oh, shit, it's the egg. Um, Oh, that's Clinton Avenue. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, that's all the landmark, you know, all all the spots in uh, Albany. So we had the little bonus of watching it and be like, oh Pearl Street, uh, you know, like whatever. Somebody's running down the sh- like out for a morning jog, and right. then you, you can know exactly where where she's jogging. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's, and it's really good. It's 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 you know maybe a little a little like. Too too uh too thematic. I don't really know how to describe it. Um it's so like, you know, I referenced Antichrist before uh as a goof, but like also that's sort of what this movie is doing. There's like a little Titan in here. There's okay. a little like just weird the uh, just weird shit going on, you know? But but yeah, Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth together really like hammer this movie home and make it make it definitely worth watching. So I think right now it's available to rent on Amazon or like on VOD places. But in October it's coming to Shutter. So I don't know why it's b- b- paid to rent now and will be on Shutter right. later because streaming things are weird. But definitely keep an eye out for it when it hits shutter later in the year because it'll be a good, like Halloween, you know, spooky season watch, definitely for sure.
0: Nice. Yeah. I've uh, heard very good things about Resurrection. A friend of the podcast, Mike Gammons, also told me to watch this. So, uh, yeah, gonna watch that uh, when I can. Very excited about it. Um, oh, yeah. But all right, that's Resurrection, and that's the end of your list, right, Mike? That's all the things. Okay. Well,
1: mostly I watched six Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so that messed up my other movies.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I only have a few more things here, and they're all TV shows. Uh, the first episode of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, uh, premiered on Disney Plus recently, which is the new MCU TV show starring Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk, which is a character that uh, I generally like a lot in the comics. Uh, and it's a character that I think, you know, I think people have, have, have had pretty mixed reactions to uh, a lot of the marketing around this show, uh, specifically around the CGI used to create She-Hulk. Uh, I will say I, I feel like I don't think it was necessarily as bad as a lot of people were saying it was. Uh, and I think the pilot, at least, like it looks decent enough in. Uh, that's my take on it. But uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Solid, you know, enjoyable stuff. <laughs> it's <Nice. laughs> it's fun. It's uh, Tatiana Maslany plays Jennifer Walters, who's a lawyer. And then she, gets, she happens to be the cousin of Bruce Banner. The two of them are on a road trip together. So Mark Ruffalo is in the pilot episode. And they, at some point, a spaceship shows up and they like – Cur- like careen the car the other way and they get into a car accident and blood from Ruffalo's cut gets into Tatiana Maslany's cut and she becomes She-Hulk.
1: <laughs> there it is, it's simple.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so she has all the uh, the power of the Hulk, but she retains her own personality while being She Hulk, she doesn't like turn into like a, the, a copy of the Hulk. She like still becomes herself. Right. Um, and so the first episode is just about that origin and like her exploring that. And it's mostly her and Mark Buffalo hanging out for a half hour, uh, which is pretty fun. And the show is uh, kind of tr- being treated as if it's a comedy. It does like a break from the fourth wall thing where she turns to the camera and explains stuff, like, mm-hmm. uh, like a flea bag style type deal. And it seems like it's going to be like, you know, every week there will be a different case that uh, involves superheroes that she's involved with which uh you know I, I kind of think is a pretty fun idea i know charlie cox is supposed to be back as daredevil in this show i know uh, tim roth actually is supposed to be back as abomination uh i think wong is showing up because wong's in everything you know he's <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah I, I think it'll be a fun time but uh first episode solid enough i had a good time uh sheet hulk attorney at law any interest mike DeCretio. <laughs>
1: Kind of, sort of, but also not really. I don't know. I I definitely, you know, I didn't see, uh, I haven't watched it, but I do do see the like side by side pictures and stuff. And my thing with with the CGI is more like the design thing where it's like, you know, Hulk giant, huge woman version just hot like it's you know like it's <laughs> that whole like female orc male orc thing have you ever seen that like when uh uh warcraft came out where it's just like right, yeah normal woman but green uh you know it just feels not that in, in, like exciting or interesting um so yeah i don't know i mean maybe i'll check it out eventually at some point i did see like that like the classic mcu Thinking, there, I mean, it's not C, whatever, Marvel, uh, thinking they have like a really deep, poignant, uh, like, that's what, I forget exactly what the wording is, about like when She-Hulk, uh, the character is talking about like women have to control their anger oh, so they yeah, don't yeah, die,
0: yeah.
1: which like, yes, good but it's just so, ham- it feels so ham-fisted, and I hate to, like, critique that moment. I don't know, it just feels weird. Um, no,
0: I, I think it does feel a little ham-fisted, and I think uh, you know, it's it's weird. I mean, the show is like being very, po- is positioned as, like, you know, a feminist, you know, kind yeah. of you know, lawyer show, and it has all women behind the camera, it has women in the writer's room, all that kind of stuff. I think it's show run by one of the, Jessica Gao, who was one of the writers in Rick and Morty, and Kat Cairo, uh, who directed a lot of episodes of Girls 5 Eva, she is directing most of the episodes here. So, you know, it's, it's all all female voices and hopefully those like shine through I, I think that moment specifically just feels like you know one of those things where it's like yeah we get it like we yeah uh, <laughs> we, yeah i
1: don't know it feels it, 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 fe- that, it,
0: feel, it feels like one of those things that's like designed to be shared on twitter as like yes. you know this is like a you know important truth that's happening on she hulk or something you know what i mean yeah
1: that's i think that's it yeah i think that's more of the feeling um but anyway uh all that to say yeah i don't know like <laughs> yeah. same thing with uh, uh, what else came out? Moon Knight. You said is bad, so I won't watch that. I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan of
0: Moon Knight. I really loved Miss Marvel, uh, and I think oh, that if, was the other one. Miss Marvel. If, if you're yeah. gonna watch one of them, I think Miss Marvel is the one to watch. Like it's very okay. Cool. Right. Um, and, and will probably be like, you know, in a year, the most relevant of the ones to watch. Cause she's going to be in the Marvels, right? The Captain Marvel right. sequel. So if you can end up seeing that, who knows? I don't know, but <laughs> just, yeah, I still
1: haven't seen Thor. If you're, if you're counting at home, yeah I seen it yet. which
0: I believe hits Disney plus soon. So you might be able to just like, you know, do, okay. do your pirating thing. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, yeah, but there you go. She Hulk, Attorney at Law, is out on Disney Plus now. The first episode, at least. Also, watch the first episode of the uh, new Game of Thrones prequel, uh, which is called House of the Dragon, which is on HBO Max. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good, solid. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> you know, are, are yeah. you are have you watched this, Mike?
1: I have not. You know, who asked for this? Really, I guess is my question. I mean, I'm sure, like, I'm sure we be fine. I don't know. Like, I, I to be honest, I don't really care. I'm not particularly interested in it. Maybe in a season or two because that's what I did with Game of Thrones honestly it was so like everyone f- fucking lost their minds maybe season three I don't remember I mean but I the bing- Red
0: Wedding was in season three which is when it like really hit the zenith of like you gotta watch Game of Thrones like yeah. that kind of thing yeah
1: and I just binged all of it like and caught up to it then so maybe I'll do that with this if that if the you know end of season one people are like holy shit you gotta check this out it's, it's a, but mostly I hope it's successful because I want Patty Considine to just be happy, uh, you know. Like yeah. I don't really care. I'm not invested in the in the show, but like I hope he does well. <laughs>
0: hey, Patty Considine plays the king in this show. He's like the, the king of the realm. He's King Viserys. Uh, which, yeah. So I mean, the, the idea of this is it takes place uh, like 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones, roughly. I and mean, actually, it's it, it starts with like an opening prologue, being like, you know, in the, in the many years, like the Targaryens did this thing, and it's like 172 years before the like the reigns of like Daenerys Targaryen. And then, like, all the words disappear, so it just says 172 years before Daenerys Targaryen, so you know Amazing. exactly. <laughs> Incredible. Um, but, it's, but it's about the uh, the Targaryen house, so, like, the ancestors of Daenerys Targaryen when they were in power in King's Landing. And uh, I guess the, it's going to lead up to the civil war between the two brothers, uh, Patty Considine and Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith killing it on this really? show just unbelievable he's just like scenery chewing villain out the gate it's, it's like what he was doing in Morbius
1: uh- <laughs> <laughs> you know a reference everybody will understand
0: exactly well <laughs> He, he's I mean if, if there's one good thing about Morbius Mike it's Matt Smith he's really right. he's, he's having a lot of fun in that movie and yeah I think it's a uh, solid enough I'm not somebody who's like super into like lore in general I mean you mm-hmm. know I or very rarely get into like the lore of whatever stories I'm watching I just want to watch the stories right and this show feels like it is like lore of Game of Thrones the show like it's just yeah. like uh, the filling in backstory to an event 200 years ago and every character is some somebody who has like the last name of a character that you know, you know, from the actual yes. show and all that kind of thing. But I think the first episode is solid enough. I think there's like, you know, enough Stuff there for me to hold on to for me to keep watching it for a while. There's some well-executed sequences, uh, particularly this like childbirth sequence, which is really, really harrowing. And so, yeah, House of the Dragon uh, first episode impressions. I think it's totally solid and could be good? Question mark. Um, yeah. But you know, I, and I, I really loved Game of Thrones when it was on TV. I mean, I was I, I watched it. Uh, I didn't watch the first season as it aired. Actually, I watched the pilot like the day after it aired and it was like that was pretty good. And then never watched and didn't catch up with it. And then yeah. after the first season finished, I was, uh, I had heard great things and I was like, okay, well, I I guess I gotta get back in on this. So I rewatched it and went through the first season, but I was on board with Game of Thrones from like season two on. Um, mm. you know, just kind of watching it weekly and stuff. And so it had been a journey and uh, it was a journey that kind of putered out toward the end. You know, I think that final season is like universally agreed upon as like, well, this is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, even at the time I feel, and you know, I, I think there's still elements of that season that kind of worked for me, but like for the most part, it's like, this feels like it should have been like two seasons worth of stuff that he condensed into six episodes. Um, yeah. and I think house of the dragon, Uh, is very much focused on just like the politics of this era and all that kind of stuff, which the early seasons of Game of Thrones were. And it's actually interesting because it's Game of Thrones without all the different locations and different characters that you're following. Um, Really? Yeah, because you're really just following the Targaryen characters and you're only in King's Landing. Like you're just there. Huh. Uh, At least in this first episode. Right. Uh, And so it's kind of like interesting to see like the Game of Thrones world in a different kind of format. But yeah, so that's House of the Dragon. First episode is is on HBO Max. I believe it crashed the platform when it yep. oh, when it first aired, uh, because like ten million people were trying to watch it at the same time, so I guess it's popular. <laughs> good for them, or at least people were interested enough to check out the first episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's kind of you yeah, know. Hopefully, hopefully it does well, and I'll end up watching it once people tell me if it's good or not. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. I also wanted to mention that the uh, the daughter Targaryen, I forget her name, I think Rhaenyra or something, but like uh, the daughter Targaryen looks unbelievably like Amelia Clark. Like just like really <laughs> like uh, the, the actress they got to play her just like looks a lot like her. And it's like, okay, well that's that's very good casting.
1: <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> you know? I like that.
0: But there you go. So that's House of the Dragon. And then finally, I uh, wanted to pour one out for my favorite show on TV. It is officially over. Uh Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh a, a show that uh, we rescheduled the last like three or four weeks of the podcast for so that I could watch them live. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, Better Call Saul just finished its final season. It's sixth and final season and it ended with a finale that I think was incredibly satisfying both for fans of Better Call Saul um but also for fans of Breaking Bad. I mean, that there's a lot of overlap I know between the, those two circles. Yeah. Um but I but I think, you know, the uh, you know, and spoilers in general for the last few episodes of Better Call Saul, I guess, but I think people who've been watching the show know that like for the most part the show is a prequel to Breaking Bad. But at the beginning of every season they would do like a flash forward to show you, like, what Saul's up to in the post Breaking Bad timeline, like what he's right. doing out there in Nebraska, I think it was. And so, the last few episodes of this season, like the, the, the series, have all been post Breaking Bad with occasional flashbacks that, in like from during the Breaking Bad era that would inform what's happening, you know, huh. later on. And it was really cool. And I think a really good payoff for, uh, what we had been seeing. It was really interesting that like the show really didn't deliver all that much Saul Goodman, uh, you know? yeah. uh, cause he was Jimmy McGill for most of the show. And like, you know, the last season or two, he's sort of like in the transition to Saul, but, uh, you know, I, I think I think the show made a very smart decision by like, well, we've already seen him as Saul Goodman. You know, he, he was already Saul in Breaking Bad. We've seen what that character was like. Uh, so now we can kind of just jump ahead and go to these last few episodes and really kind of close out his story and also close out some lingering threads from Breaking Bad while we're at it. And so now everything just has this, like, very nice sense of completion. Uh, And once it ended, I was just kind of, like, sitting there marveling at, like, the the storytelling trifecta of uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and El Camino over the last, like, 15 years and just being like, man, how did they do it? Like, it was was all so good. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I recently
1: I forget why did I watch I went back and watched some random episode or episodes or whatever of like early Breaking Bad yeah um, and that show is set a couple of years before like the present day if I remember
0: yes well uh, I, I think the first season is set in like 2007 or 2008 because that's when it aired um, right but then the entire show takes place over the course of a year uh, that's so, right so everything in like everything that happened in Breaking Bad is supposed to take place in like 2008 or whatever
1: yeah <laughs> Um, but there, yeah, it was just the the, like that weird hyper hyper specific like late aughts technology with like the flip phones and all that shit and the beepers and yada yada yada. Uh, It was just like this is so fucking crazy that it's this far gone. Like it's been that long that that's what the show looked like. Um, you know. So yeah, you know, I don't. Maybe I'll wait till people tell me better call Saul is good before I watch it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you should watch it, Mike. It's great. I mean, uh, I mean... Now that it's done, I really have no
1: excuse. Yeah, you know?
0: I mean, I, I think the the first five seasons are on Netflix. Uh, so, you know, by the time you finish it, maybe season six will be up there. <laughs> I do
1: know that uh, producer Colin was just asking around uh, because the first half of season six is off AMC+, and he's finally caught up in season five, like, on Netflix now.
0: Wait, the first half's gone?
1: Yeah, now it's just the back half. So he's uh, like, I guess I just gotta wait
0: now. What a um, worthless fucking app. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, I mean, I I was able, I was, I have cable, so I was able to watch it just on AMC normally. Um, But uh, I heard nothing but complaints about AMC. uh, And I think on the night of the Sol finale, like it was kind of the same thing with the House of the Dragon, where just like AMC Plus was not meant to house more than like a million people trying to watch it.
1: once. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very scared for Shutter that that will get folded into that because they're owned by AMC. Right, uh, but so far they've they've not that hasn't happened, and I don't think there's any like inclination that it will. But just the way everything's been going right now, I'm like, no, no streaming service will survive. Yes, basically.
0: Yeah, HBO, HBO Max is currently in the process of being gutted, so we'll see. Yeah. we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll all work
1: out. Maybe FilmStruck will come back.
0: <laughs> all, if at the end of this we get FilmStruck back, it will yes. have all been worth it. When, when the streaming services are in ashes, then FilmStruck will arrive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. And that, I believe, brings us to the end of this week's episode, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about a lot of stuff. Yes, we did. Uh, and I know you got to get to sleep because uh, you are flying out here in the morning. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're, co- we're coming up on the time where I need to go to bed.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. So uh, I believe that brings us to the end. So, Mike, where can we find you online this week?
1: You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. If you'd like to donate to support the show, you could do that at our Ko fi page, which is ko fi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, plural, because we have two podcasts.
0: Yes, we do. You can find me online. It's to M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterbox and Radio Mike Sandwich Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike and my Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decree Show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, and next week uh, we'll be doing a Camp Horror Film Festival recap. I think, right, Mike?
1: Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's together in person, depending on. If we could figure that out,
0: yes, yeah. Actually, I was just talking to uh, our buddy Kyle, who edits these podcasts, and he was giving me tips on how to do that. The Excellent. Other day. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, maybe we'll be able to do that. We will see what happens. <laughs>
1: and uh, complete works season three august 29th
0: yes yeah complete works getting ready to launch august 29th uh the michelle yo season of the podcast and the owl versus bombo a movie that everyone knows and loves uh yes. is going to be <laughs> is going to be the first episode uh august 29th it's going to be a fun time
1: yes i'm very excited for people to finally hear it
0: yes absolutely all right so that is going to be the end of this week's episode of mike might go to the movies we'll see you on the other side